It really was I whom your Excellency expected at seven o'clock this evening. I will prove it to you beyond a doubt. Oh no, never mind that, said the Italian. It is not worth the trouble. Yes, yes, said Monte Cristo. His visitor appeared slightly uneasy. Let me see, said the Count. Are you not the Marquis Bartolomeo <coughs> Cavalcanti? Bartolomeo Cavalcanti replied joyful, joy, uh, joyfully, replied the Italian. Yes, I am really he. Ex-major in the Austrian service. Was I a major? Timidly asked the old soldier. Yes, said Monte Cristo. You are a major. That is the title the French give to the post which you filled in Italy. Very good, said the major. I do not demand more. You understand. Your visit here today is not of your own suggestion, is it? Said Monte Cristo. No, certainly not. You are sent by some other person? Yes. By the excellent Abbe Busoni. Exactly so, said the delighted major. And you have a letter? Yes, there it is. Give it to me then. And Monte Cristo took the letter, which he opened and read. The major looked at the count with his large staring eyes, and then took a survey of the apartment, but his gaze almost immediately reverted to the proprietor of the room. Yes, yes, I see. Major Cavalcanti, a worthy patrician of Luca, a descendant of the Cavalcanti of Florence, continued Monte Cristo, <coughs> reading aloud, <coughs> possessing an income of half a million. Monte Cristo raised his eyes from the paper and bowed. Half a million, said he. Magnificent. Half a million it is, is it? said the major. Yes, in so many words, it must be so, for the Abbey knows correctly the amount of all the largest fortunes in Europe. Be it half a million then, but on my word of honour, I had no idea it was so much. Because you are robbed by your steward, you must make him make some reformation in that quarter. You have opened my eyes, said the Italian gravely. I will show the gentleman the door. Monte Cristo resumed the perusal of the letter, and one who only needs one thing to make, <coughs> and who only needs one thing more to make him happy. Yes, indeed, but one, said the Major with a sigh, which is to recover a lost and adored son. Lost and adored son. Stolen away in his infancy, either by an enemy of his noble family or by gypsies. At the age of five years, said the Major, with a deep sigh, and raising his eyes to heaven. <coughs> Unhappy father, the Count continued, I have given him renewed life and hope, and the assurance that you have the power of restoring a son whom he was has vainly sought for for fifteen years. The Major looked at the Count with an indescribable expression of anxiety. I have the power of so doing, said Monte Cristo. The Major recovered his self-possession. So then, said he, the letter was true to the end. Did you doubt it, my dear Monsieur Bartolomeo? No, indeed. Certainly not. A good man, a man holding religious office, 
as does Abby Busoni, could not condescend to deceive or play off a joke. But Your Excellency has not read all. Ah, true, said Monte Cristo. There is a postscript. Yes, yes, repeated the, the Major, a postscript. In order to save Major the trouble of drawing on his banker, I send him a draft of two, for 2,000 francs to defray his travelling expenses and credit on you for the further, further 48,000, the sum of 48,000 francs, which you still owe me. <coughs> the Major awaited the conclusion of the postscript, apparently with great anxiety. Very good, said the, the Count. He said, very good, muttered the Major. Then, sir, replied he, then what? Then the postscript. <coughs> well, what of it? The postscript is as favourably received by you as the rest of the letter? Certainly. The Abbey Bussoni and myself have a small account open between us. I do not remember if it is exactly 48,000 francs, which I am still owing to him, but I dare say we shall not dispute the difference. You attached a great importance then to this postscript, my dear Monsieur Cavalcanti. I must explain to you, said the Major, that, fully confiding in the signature of Abbey Busoni, I had not provided myself with any other funds, so that if this resource had failed me, I should have found myself very unpleasantly situated in Paris. Is it possible that a man of your standing should be embarrassed anywhere? Why, really, I know no one, said the Major, but then you yourself are known to others. Yes, I am known that. So that, proceed, my dear Monsieur, so that you will remit me these 48,000 francs. Certainly, at your first request. The Major's eyes dilated with pleasing astonishment. But, sit down, said the Count. I really do not know what I have been thinking of. I have positively kept you standing for the last quarter of an hour. Don't mention it, said the Major, who drew an armchair towards him and proceeded to seat himself. Now, said the Count, what will you take, a glass of sherry, port or alicante? Alicante, if you please, it's my favourite wine. I have some that is very good. You will take a biscuit with it, will you not? Yes, I will take a biscuit as you are so obliging. Monte Cristo rang, Baptistine appeared, and the Count advanced to meet him. Well, said he in a low voice, the young man is here, <coughs> said the valet de chambre in the same tone. Into what room did you take him? Into the blue drawing room, according to your Excellency's orders. That's right. Now bring the alicante and some biscuits. Really, said the Major, I am quite ashamed of the trouble I am giving you. Pray don't mention such a thing, said the Count. Baptistine re-entered with glasses, wine and biscuits. The Count filled one glass, but in the other he only poured a few drops of the ruby-coloured liquid. <clears throat> the bottle was covered with spider's webs and other signs which indicated the wine 
indicated the age of the wine more truly than to do the wrinkles of a man's face. The Major made a wise choice. He took the full glass and a biscuit and cold. The Count told Baptistine to leave the plate within reach of his guest. He began sipping the Alicante with an expression of great satisfaction and then delicately <coughs> steeped his biscuit in the wine. So, sir, you lived at Lucha, do you? You were rich, noble, held in great esteem, had all that could render a man happy. <coughs> all, said the Major, hastily swallowing the biscuit, positively all. And yet there was one thing wanting in order you to complete your happiness. Only one thing, he said, the Italian. And that one thing is your lost child. Ah, said the Major, taking a second biscuit. That consummation of my happiness was indeed wanting. The worthy Major raised his eyes to heaven and sighed. Let me hear then, said the Count, who this deeply regretted son was, for I always understood you were a bachelor. That was the general opinion, sir, said the Major, and I... Yes, replied the Count. And you confirmed the report, a youthful indiscretion, I suppose, which you were anxious to conceal from the world at large. The Major recovered himself and resumed his usual calm manner, at the same time casting his eyes down, either to give himself some time to compose his countenance or to assist his imagination all the while giving an underlook at the Count, <coughs> the protracted smile on whose lips still announced the same polite curiosity. Yes, said the Major, I did wish this fault to be hidden from every eye. Not on your own account, surely, said Montecuso, for a man is above that sort of thing. Oh no, certainly not on my own account said the Major with a smile and a shake of the head, but for the sake of the mother. <coughs> yes, for the mother's sake, his poor mother, cried the Major, taking a third biscuit. Take some more wine, my dear, dear Major, said the Count, pouring out for him a second glass of Alicante. Your emotion has quite overcome you. <coughs> 